citizens, welcome to the Forks of Potitude. I'm Dave Michaels. I'm Brian Betts. And this is Beer Me a Movie. It's another movie podcast, but in this one there's drinking involved, so it makes it still another movie podcast. But in this one there's also ranking and scoring, so it makes it another movie podcast. But the difference there is, it's you. It's always been you. You're the difference. The difference was inside of you all along. The real difference was the the cliches we made, we made along, along the way. The way. <laughs> Brian, can I tell you something uh, I'm, like, incredibly proud of? Yeah, I would love to hear it. It's me. Just in general, it's me this time. Because I chose for this week's episode, 1997's Titanic, directed by... It's a Jimmy Cam! Jimmy fucking Cam's. When was the last time we talked James Cameron? Avatar, maybe? maybe? I'm not sure. It's been so long. Maybe Terminator? It's been a very long time. Oh, probably Terminator. That makes more sense. Feels like it's been years, man. Years. So long. Um, I like that right on the heels of me congratulating you for being a generous lover and giving us yeah. a 95 minute. You were like, maybe I give you a 195 minute movie on Super Bowl weekend to watch. Are you a Chiefs fan? Just uh, the opposite of a generous lover. Are you a 49ers fan? No, neither. You know this. I do know this. So your investment level was significantly lower, and you can fill that with a heart of the ocean. Is it the Super Bowl, though? It is the Super Bowl, though, isn't it? Do I work in advertising? All right, so I see where I have fucked up. <laughs> it's okay. I made it through. I'm so survived. proud of you. Unlike a lot of people we're about to talk Unlike about. Unlike a whole lot of people. Sorry, Motivation, want to get into this thing? We might as well get right in. Barrel forward. That's a saying. <laughs> if you're not barrels forward, you're barrels back. Yo, we're streets ahead. <laughs> For story motivation, we have a nice script here written by our AI producer, writer McStrikely, who has prepared a scene for us in which you will be playing Jack as the podcast Leonardo DiCaprio. It makes sense. And I'll be playing a fictional character that... Writer makes directly invented for this called Reginald Q. Potterton III. That sounds so dangerous for some reason. Like, there's dead people IRL involved in all of this. There's a whole section on Wikipedia of people, once you've read the cast of the movie, people who actually existed additionally cast. Yikes, man. Yikes. <laughs> it's a dark movie for such a tragic love story. Ah, Romeo and Juliet on boats. That's what it is. <laughs> Just a, a boat that had a really bad time. That's it. They treated the OG Romeo and Juliet, Billy Shake's classic tale and play. And they're just like, you guys ever seen Speed? That was pretty cool. What they did. <laughs> you guys ever seen Speed too? <laughs> Let's do that. But with R and J, as we call it in the streets. Where Billy shakes Jimmy cams. So. There you go. This is like borderline mafia when you start just doing that to last names. Hey, Jimmy shakes. <laughs> Well, that's a combination that I didn't mean to do. Are <laughs> uh, you ready for this thing? Yeah, I'm ready. Here we go. And action. The setting is a whimsical afterlife where the backdrop is a blend of ethereal clouds and the grand staircase of the Titanic. A ghostly car sits center stage. Jack, Leonardo de fucking Caprio, is leaning casually against it, sketching in a ghostly notebook. Reginald Q. Potterton III approaches with an air of indignation. I like how he's just ghosting. Just here. It's like, yeah. there's a grand staircase that looks great. There's the fuck car. Probably looks great. And then there's the fuck pad, which probably looks great. 
All ghosty. All super ghosty. You! You're the rascal who defiled my magnificent <laughs> motor car with your scandalous shenanigans. Defiled? Oh, come on. We just fogged up the windows a bit. It's not like we sunk the ship all way. That did happen, didn't it? I don't know what to do for him. I like the way you're playing Jack, just like um, a surfer. Kind of. It's between that or like a newsie, I guess. I really don't know any of this. Like he's from Wisconsin. They barely have an identity. When your identity is fucked up dairy, then, I mean, (laughs) what are you? You know, not a believable movie. He doesn't bring up cheese curds one time. Not once. This is no laughing matter. My car was a temple of luxury, not a a (laughs) body house for your titillating trysts. A body house? You make it sound so sordid. It was love, pure and simple. Ever heard of Jack and Rose? Hey, J&R again. It's a story that'll make you believe in destiny. Destiny? I believe in propriety. And my car was meant for dignified journeys, not for a penniless artist to... Win over the heart of the first class dame. Yeah, about that. I won my ticket on the Titanic in a lucky hand of poker that I was a major fucking dick about. Like, this is (laughs) a life-changing ticket here, and you don't have this jerk-ass lead-up to it just to slam it on them when you're already taking their Titanic tickets. Right? Act like you've been there, Jack. And you want to know what's weird about this is that the two guys who got booted off you know they're having, like, my flight was canceled 9-11 memories now. Oh, big time. They have major survivor's guilt. Unless they're just like, fuck that guy so hard for the way he treated right? us at this poker table. That guy sucks so bad, I'm glad the Titanic sank. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel That's bad for Fabrizio. <laughs> Fabrizio's innocent. And he barely he did nothing has character, wrong. so it's fine. He pops up, like, two more times in the movie. Once to be like, I'm still here, and another time to be like, oh, I died. It's a me, Fabrizio. Uh, like I was saying, I want my ticket on Titanic, a lucky end of poker. And Rose, Kate fucking Winslet. Kate fucking Winslet. She was a real peach, engaged to a real pit. Cal Hockley, Billy fucking Zane. Uh, so much fucking in the Billy Zane. There is so much fucking in the, like he could have won anywhere in this. And I'd be like, yeah, all right. I buy that. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. This man's I mean, a like, winner. <laughs> at any cost. Billy Zane here. Is your Titanic sinking? Oh, here's some, the, the, the weird tape that I slap on boats like I told you I would. Here we go. Someone <laughs> try to sink the unsinkable Titanic. Not you, Molly Brown. Nope. Not you, Molly Brown. Not you. Sit down, Molly Brown. <laughs> Billy Zane I feel like that's here. something Billy Zane would say to Molly Brown. Well, at least Hockley would. But you know, he'd have like a oh, at the end of it, and it's uh-huh. like just the dagger and the twist all at once. He doesn't even take a break. Sit down, Molly Brown, and your new money. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> they do call her new money. That's like calling like Hermione a mudblood, I feel like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you're in a sea of extremely wealthy old money people and you're the new money, oh, you better be good with those spells, sweetheart. <laughs> but we love Kathy Bates, Kathy fucking Bates. Kathy fucking Bates, indeed. She's phenomenal. I always forget she's in this. I never forget she's in anything. She's a national treasure. Agreed. Put her in the Louvre. Well, then it's a different nation. 
steal the Louvre, do what the English do in their museums and just take everyone else's shit and say like, <laughs> well, we occupied that decades ago. National Treasure 3? Hockley, you say? I've heard the name. Wealthy as a king and with the warmth of an iceberg, I presume. <laughs> see see what Reginald did there? Look at him go. Get it, Reggie. You know the type. Anyway, I saved Rose from jumping off the ship. Told her, you jump, I jump. And we've been jumping together ever since. What does that mean? <laughs> oh, no. This is like one of those weird videos that you see on YouTube now or Facebook, whatever it is, of like these guys walking upstairs and then falling off onto a trampoline. And it's supposed yeah. to be beautiful. And really, it's just, no, it's just, it's just science, man. That's that's going to happen. Cool. You figured out gravity. Oh, you can side land. Watch me butt bump. Look, we can all do tricks. I love that Jack's here saying, we've been jumping together ever since. It's like, you died less than two days later. <laughs> it's it's true. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Rose wants to jump off the back of this big old ship because she's real upset that she's going to be super duper rich to a Billy Zane. Yeah. Story motivation. Zero. Well, I don't know. She doesn't really like the guy. <laughs> no, he's pretty awful dude for being awesome. He is the most awful awesome dude. And she is considering jumping down that sewage slide. Jumping off ships, defiling cars. What's next? Did you dance on the captain's table, too? Didn't have to. We had our own party down in third class. Real knees up. She even learned how to spit properly. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Say <laughs> no more, huh? Say no more. <laughs> Say no more. She spit all over your stick shift. You know what I mean? No, we fucked in your car. It's not your dick. <laughs> We fucked in your car. <laughs> My upholstery. <laughs> <clears throat> the very picture of elegance. But the best part, I drew her like one of my French girls. <laughs> wearing nothing but the Harley Ocean. Ever seen a diamond that big? Or a VHS tap that worn out? <laughs> yeah, it's really weird. The very end of... Tape one seems to have some <laughs> issues there. Is it the end of tape one or is it the start of tape no, two? It's the start of tape two. Okay, I got I it wrong say, on purpose to kind of. To, to suss me? Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> the heart of the ocean was in my car, and here I was worried about the upholstery. Don't worry. The diamond didn't leave a scratch. Can't say the same for Hockley's ego, though. He framed me for stealing it. Had me locked up when the iceberg hit. The iceberg. Such a senseless tragedy. Was it senseless thoughts? Wording. Historically inaccurate wording. Oh, well, there was no sense in that they couldn't, you know, get around it. <laughs> Wasn't even that. There were so many things leading up to this iceberg hitting, like iceberg warnings, but because Titanic was one of the first ships to have this telegraph system built into it, whatnot, all the passengers sending off their little tweets to the world saying, like, ha ha, you <laughs> poor bastard, I'm on the big ship and you're on the land. Suck a dick. And you're like, what? Whoa, that's not how we talk. <laughs> Elon Musk? Ah, it's me, Elon, say. Ah, see? Setting you this telegraph, see? On X, the boat. I have a, a very important question to ask you here, because getting off the electronic systems here that are sending all the messages out, there are two officers in the crow's nest watching for icebergs. Yeah, one of them says he can smell them. The only thing he smells is Jack and Rose making whoopee right <clears throat> beneath him. Yep. So I have to ask you, did the Titanic sink in this movie because Jack and Rose? Because 
the officer wasn't paying attention to the ocean anymore? No, because I think even if the officer noticed the iceberg sooner, they were trying to make good time and set a record for fastest trip across the Atlantic. They needed to have two of the engines not running in order to make that turn, no matter when they finally made visual of the iceberg. That's a very, very scientific answer you just gave. Yeah, like I was prepared for the question. But also, it was totally Jack and Rose's fault. It was a tragedy, but Rose, she came back for me. Broke me out with an axe. Gee, I can't even talk about that scene. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah. See if you can hit that mark again. Not even close? Cool. Go for my hands. Go for my hands and also close your eyes, I guess? This movie was filmed, it was put out, it exists, it hasn't changed. And yet every time this scene comes up, I'm still not sure if she's going to hit his hands or not. <laughs> I'm still not positive. I'm still like, oh God, I don't feel good about this. It's the part that has always bugged me is she decides to Anne Frank her way through this. And I cannot <laughs> figure out why. Oh, it'll be better if neither of us looks, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. He has every right not to look. I wouldn't look if I were in his shoes. I would not but be looking. With if her, if I were her, I would try just a little bit. I would try to keep my eyes open, <laughs> try to try to land the axe where it's supposed to go. But we tried to save as many as we could. But in the end, it was just the cold Atlantic and us. Also, no, you fucking did not. You tried to save like one kid and then his dad came for him and then they both died. And also, he was just trying to get through gates and stuff for his own survival. Yeah. You can't claim that you're the one who saved all these people. When you're actually doing it for incredibly selfish reasons. We see at the end also, he climbs on the back of this thing. He could have like looked at that chef guy who was also hanging off the back. You know, when her, him and Kate Winslet like, look like, what's up? Hey, what's up, guy? And she's looking at the other lady like, you should get on the other side of this. Oh, oh you fell. Watch those people fall off the back of this, man. It's not great. It's, it's not great. Not great. That's, a, it, that's a long fall. It helps to know that some of them are CGI people. But then you remember that this is based on a thing that actually happened and they feel a little less CGI. They do <laughs> like make them very uncanny valley if you have to. So it doesn't yeah. like feel as real. Someone bouncing off that propeller. Hate that. I was one. just going to say, do you have to include the sound of his head smacking the propeller? <laughs> Bung. And also, don't worry about your car, man. It's part of a legend now. You witnessed the <laughs> love that outshone the disaster. And it's thanks to you and your sweet upholstery that I felt on my naked rear end. While I pegged this almost rich girl. Well, I never intended for it to be part of such a romantic escapade. <laughs> but it was. And hey, if there's any consolation, your car's story is being told over and over. All around the world. The first thing I just thought about was the Cars universe. <gasps> oh. <laughs> because you know that in the Cars universe, they're like, Remember that stupid boat? Yeah, the one that went on the water, not like us with our cool wheels that go on the land. Remember when that <laughs> thing sunk? And the only thing that anyone's talking about is the fuck car in the back? Remember that? There's just so many levels to that, because you know the boat's a person. You know the car's a person. <laughs> they all got faces. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a different kind of tragedy. It is a different kind of tragedy. Also, why are the clouds in Cars World's cars? How does that work? How does that work? How does an airplane that we know exists as an airplane, because there is a, a movie called Planes, and in Cars 2, they take a plane to the Grand Prix. 
And how does an airplane with that shape leave behind a tire tread that a 1930s gumshoe would love seeing as a clue in the sky as chemtrails? Are these Cars 2 references? Yeah, Cars 2 is the most- That's why I'm lost. The the most inferior of all the car movies. It's terrible. It shouldn't be terrible. It's a spy movie. It's Michael Caine. It shouldn't be terrible. It shouldn't be. But yet, Larry the Cable Guy eats wasabi, thinking it's pistachio (laughs) ice cream. And that's the level of humor we've either risen to or sunken to. I'm not sure in the Cars universe. I gotta be honest. I don't know how Michael Caine and Larry the Cable Guy isn't a winning com- combination. Something about that doesn't add <laughs> it just up. It seems like it should be firing on all cylinders. Uh, look at you. Look at you. <laughs> also about the Cars universe that's bugging me a little bit now. I'm thinking about it. I'm in great detail. Is the stadium that you see. People just drive. They get off the road. They go right into their seats, right? Yeah. It's kind of jarring seeing a stadium without a massive parking lot around it. That's true. I didn't even think of that. Don't have kids, people. You watch these movies so many times that this is the shit that goes through your head and it makes you want to buy a Bowflex. Now I'm really curious about the lack of parking lots in the Cars universe. They just kind of sit wherever they want. That's that's where they are now. And they also sleep, just... but they also have gas, but they also might not have gas. I don't know. When is their engine running and when is it not? Oh, well, if if the engine turns off, I think that means they die. How does a car die? Because you have Lightning McQueen, he's sitting there, and it's nice and quiet. You got the Randy Newman playing behind him. You got an engine in you, or whatever. And then (laughs) he, like, revs his engine? Is he not running to start? That's a good question. Uh, We might have to take a deeper dive onto the Cars universe. Stay tuned, maybe, probably, at this point. Jesus Christ. Makes the Hindenburg a whole lot worse, if it's actually a person. (laughs) Does it, though? I don't know, does it? <laughs> As you know that that thing uh, has got a little tiny mustache. <laughs> Nazi cars? I haven't gotten to that level of the Cars universe yet. <laughs> That's probably Cars 4. They send him back in time, he becomes like a reverse-engineered cap. <laughs> oh, it's a Volkswagen. Instead, you're subbing out Cap's values that do not translate into the modern world at all because he has values. And here instead, you're just like, it's super tech going back just far enough, far enough. Do the cars grow? Do they, are they born as like baby cars? How are they born? How are they, do they just like pop up somewhere? There is some sort of manufacturer making cars. We need to get to the source here. Officially stay tuned. Officially. (laughs) Famous fuck car in this movie. Famous fuck car. According to the cars universe, probably. I suppose there are worse legacies to leave behind. Very well, Jack. You've convinced me. Perhaps it was destiny after all. That's the spirit. Now, how about we go haunt a few history buffs and set the record straight? Lead the way, you incorrigible scamp. Let's make sure they get the story right. They should probably tell the story at all. I feel like a, that would A help. little bit. Jack and Rose meet. It's all, There's a whole meat cue to how she's going to kill herself. And he says, don't do that. Don't, Don't do, do that. And I actually wonder, would he follow her? No, I feel like if she had jumped, he would have been like, well, I tried. <laughs> he doesn't know her at all. He doesn't know her at all. He saw her across the thing and said, maybe, maybe. This is 1912 and I'm poor. I had glasses. Not happening. Maybe. <laughs> she is at the end of her rope. So you're saying I have a chance. They start hanging out for reasons. Because he saved her life. Not Nick's used to hang out with somebody and I would actually avoid that person at that point. 
Because Billy be Zane was like super duper awkward. You know, they're going to be looking at you like because, you know, you're going to be like walking by and he's going to be like staring at you and you have to go like, stop. I'm not going to kill myself tonight. Stop. Stop watching me. I'm good now. You, you talk me out of it. When Billy Zane invites you to dinner, you go to dinner. That's all I'm saying. 100% you go to dinner every single time. And if Kathy Bates gives you a suit, you probably keep that suit forever. I like how she had a suit that was just the right size. I knew you'd match like the size of my son. Yeah, of course he does. Because this movie had to happen this way. Somebody's got to have a fancy suit. Can we get unsinkable Molly Brown in this scene so we have a suit? <laughs> I got I to gotta really fill out the cast with people who actually existed. I think that's the move. I think that is the move. <laughs> Jack and Rose start hanging out. He likes art. She thinks she likes art. Then they go she forward and the relationship grows, kind of. They have the whole, I hate you, I hate you, let's do it. Okay. So then they do that. After he draws her like one of the French girls, she gets on like the French burns girl. out the VHS tape. You guys all know the story. Right. They start just running around on the boat, and then the boat hits chased. an iceberg. It's not great. <sighs> that feels like a real simplification. But Well, I mean, from here on out, what actually matters? Because that boat's going to sink. Rose stays with Jack because Jack throughout the entire movie is like, hey, I'm a survivor. Yeah. He says I, that often. And then he just reacts very quickly to every scenario that possibly happens. He makes decisions on the fly. He is a survivor. He's a sewer rat. You know who should have played Jack? Reba McIntyre. Why? Because she's a survivor. And she was supposed to play uh, Margaret Molly Brown, but she was unavailable because of a tour. Two different things that just disappointed me back to back that you did. Good job. <laughs> I just, just dropping in little facts, not from IMDb, because I opened up that page and realized it is it, there are more facts for this movie than anything that's ever existed. Oh, I'm sure about that. The boat sinks. They survive for a while. A lot of people don't survive. A lot of true personalities are revealed. The stress is getting to some folks because there are not enough boats on this thing for the amount of people because the White Star Line, the cheap sons of bitches that they are. Want a little more room on that deck for the rich people to move. They sure do. And you want to know how I learned this? Watching the movie? No. You'd think so. But no, because I forgot that was in the movie already. And I forgot that they had <laughs> that deep of an exposition during a lunch in this movie to explain every little thing about Titanic. Yeah, it's just one of their classic deck walking talks. My kids asked me to read them a book from the library tonight. Before bed, I said, yeah, fine, go get the book, whatever. Sure. And it was a National Geographic book about the Titanic. So I got to explain about how like 1,300 people died in the middle of the North Atlantic because a boat sunk. Because yeah, kids, boats sink. Mortality's a thing. Drowning sucks. Don't do it. <laughs> and now my kids are afraid of the water. Probably at this point, but I read it to them and I gave them a lot of facts and I learned a lot of facts. And knowledge is oh, power. Good. And power can't stop a sinking boat. Nope. And that's what this movie's really about. Love can save anything, except for it a can. lot of people dying on a boat that's sinking in the middle of the ocean. Jack and Rose survived to the end. It's a nice little bookend to it. Uh, there on the back of the boat where she almost jumped off, and she makes sure she points that out. Right. Oh, yeah, this is the spot where we met. This is convenient for me because I nearly off myself here already. I already know the view from this side. Oh, I've already been prepared to die here once. Boat sinks. They get flipped around a lot in the water. Thank God for life jackets bringing them back to that surface or else they're donezo. Well, Jack's not wearing one, so I don't know how he survived. But they get to the surface. They find a door. The door can only support one person if you're not trying hard. <laughs> because buoyancy. 
Not because of surface area. Not only does she get the door, but she also is wearing a life jacket. Yeah, you feel like she probably could have given up one of those things. That's the bigger issue to me in this situation. It's not so much that he didn't try to get on the door like one try doesn't work. It's that she has got two pairs of gloves on and her hands are getting sweaty. Yeah, yeah. I think the Mythbusters did this and they real- they found that they could have both fit on the door and remained buoyant if they put the life jacket underneath the door. I don't know whether to believe them or not. I saw them do the, the myth and bust the myth, but their friendship hurts still too much to talk about. Yeah, love didn't save that sinking ship. They're sitting in the middle of North Atlantic freezing their buns off. Everyone around Rose gets unalived. And then <laughs> Jack is eventually super dead. And Rose lets go. After she says, I'll yeah. never let go. I'll never, she lets go. I get it. It's a whole metaphorical thing. I get it. But right. still, the irony's not lost on me. I, nor anybody who's ever seen this movie. Anybody except for Jimmy <laughs> Cam, probably. He's like, no, because it's a metaphorical letting go. Rose gets rescued, and the crazier part about it is in 1912, it is super easy to start your life again. (laughs) From absolutely nothing, even though you have a multi-million dollar piece of jewelry in your pocket that you never sell. I really like this ending, because Bill Paxton's in this movie, folks. Bill Paxton's here (laughs) doing his best (laughs) Rob Thomas impression? Yep. Uh, He's the guy who's looking for the heart of the ocean. He's the one exploring the Titanic. He's the one who gets Gloria fucking Stewart to his Gloria boat above Titanic. She's Stewart. the one telling the story because she's Rose. And I feel like we just treated it like this was the sixth sense, but that's not how it works. This <laughs> is a, a very easy narrative to follow. The old lady was Kate Winslet the whole time, but we knew that. All right, protagonist will get there. Story motivation, it's Titanic. A lot of the stuff is borrowed from A Night to Remember, except for the whole love story. It all yeah. works. It's a tragic story that he made, and it's really well told. It is really well told. It's pretty solid. Honestly, it's airtight enough that if you were to go down and look at the remains of the (laughs) Titanic, you'd probably survive. Oh, man. Oceangate. Don't ever forget, folks. That happened. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Eight. Eight. Next up, we have casting. It's insanely good. It's too good. I'm going 10 because Leonardo DiCaprio is perfect in this. This is what made Leo Leo. Kate Absolutely. Winslet is perfect in this. It's what made Kate Winslet Kate Winslet. Billy Zane's fantastic in this because Billy Zane. Obvi. Yeah. But this movie is loaded with people. Kathy Bates, Victor fucking Garber, Bernard fucking Hill, Jonathan fucking Hyde, Yoan fucking Griffith, Bill fucking Paxton, Francis fucking Fisher. This movie's loaded. Yeah, everybody is, is crushing it, too. It's perfect. Ten. Ten. Did you know that Jimmy Cams originally wanted River Phoenix for the Jack Dawson part, but he was... Already frozen at the bottom of the ocean. Yikes. <laughs> I was wondering what you were going to say for that. Wasn't that. Yeah, he's uh, he, he was not around anymore. Unalived. Exactly. Unalived. And Tom Cruise was too expensive. I don't want to see Tom Cruise in this because you know that Tom no. Cruise would get in that room, the writer's room, and be like, listen, 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 listen. The boat's not going to sink. <laughs> that when Tommy Cruise is on board. All right. You hear me? I'm going to do some insane stunts myself, and I'm going to save the boat. Yeah, perfect 10. Those casting choices would have made it much worse. Oh, so bad. Reba McIntyre and Tom Cruise in Titanic. That's just what I want. <laughs> also, would watch. Yeah, I, well, definitely. <laughs> Hard not to. Morbid curiosity. <laughs> Protagonist. Rose. Rose. In young and old form. Right. 
Young Rose, coming of age. She's about to marry Rich. She doesn't want to marry Rich because he's a dickhole. And then she finds uh, the sewer rat, Jack, and falls for him instead. It's Aladdin. Oh, yeah, that too. (laughs) (laughs) I really, really, really like old Rose's story motivation on her own. Because this was the first time I watched this movie and had this reaction to it at the end of when Gloria Stewart is done telling the story, she gets in the middle of the night, she goes to the back of the boat, her favorite suicide spot, as some people call right. it. Right. That's what they call it. She gets onto that rail and then throws the heart of the ocean into the water, making a noise that no one should ever make in any situation. <laughs> <laughs> that one. What was your takeaway from the end of this? Her dropping the heart of the ocean back. I was like, you're goddamn right, Gloria. Get it, girl. But why? I don't know. I just, I I felt like she was ready to let go, finally. She has let go multiple times in this movie. That is what she's most known for. Emotionally. She got the story out. She's like, all right, cool. We We did the thing. I don't need this stupid thing anymore. Gone. So her throwing back the incredibly valuable thing that is not connected to this boat at all for the most part is a mobile MacGuffin that just stays around this character for almost no reason at all. Almost none. Her throwing it back to Titanic is just her sticking it to the man? Yeah, if the man is Billy Zane. But Billy Zane lived briefly. Billy Zane lived. Movie, but (laughs) he did succeed (laughs) where she failed. (laughs) But that was Billy Zane's jewelry that was his fortune or part of it at least it represented that to rose okay okay she got there on her own she didn't she didn't need that money i like that point quite a bit let me tell you what my thought was at the end of watching this one when she goes up she throws it into the ocean it sinks down i almost thought of it as a 100 year old lady who told a story to a bunch of really curious young folk and she is almost giving bill paxton's character a chance still Okay, I like that too. But I think Bill Paxton has his own arc here where he's realizing this thing that he's been obsessing about for years actually has a whole human element to it that he never even considered. So let's go back to story and motivation. Okay. And give it a nine. (laughs) All right. Because I'm liking all of these ideas quite a bit. (laughs) It feels a lot like the top at the end of Inception. Yeah. (laughs) That's what it's like reminding me of right now. It's also like... Part of the movie, they kind of toy with you like, is this old lady just telling tales or was this actually what happened to her? And when she reveals it at the end, it's like the confirmation that, yeah, of course, this was Rose the whole time. Man, I really like this movie a whole lot. It's it's so <laughs> fucking good. And I forgot how good it was because I feel like you see it as a kid and then you grow up and you're like, oh, yeah, Titanic, that love story. I've seen it. Titties. haha. But no, it's a good fucking movie. It's a real good fucking movie. It's really, really well made. We'll get there. Rose, nine. Nine. Next up, the antagonist. Is it an iceberg? Is it Billy it's Zane? Billy, it's Billy Zane and the weather. Hubris of man. I mean, that iceberg did quite a bit of damage. I'm going nine. <laughs> it sunk the unsinkable ship. That's a nine for sure. Next up is the screenplay. Written by James Cameron. Jimmy Cams. Pulling double duty. And you can tell because it's got his little moments of whimsy it likes throwing in for almost no reason at all. <laughs> Such as? When Jack and Rose are running away and one of the guys who works on the boat, one of the officers is like yelling at them that they have to go this way and get these life jackets on. Eventually, they turn both at the same time. Shut up. Shut up. (laughs) In unison. I love it. Totally unnecessary. 
but totally yeah. James Cameron. Very James Cameron. And this thing still very quotable. It's King incredibly of the world. quotable. You jump, I jump. Everything that the band does at the end, every oh, bit of it. so good. Like, ah, oh, every moment in this movie sticks, man. Uh, screenplay. I'm thinking it's either an eight or a nine. Let's go nine. Okay. I like this movie, damn it. I like this movie, damn it. Style and tone. Eleven. Yeah, this is unreal. <laughs> Not even a question about it. J- James Cameron obsessed over this thing for years, had entire studios built, did multi-million dollar trips to actually get footage of the wreckage. Yeah. Uh, the man was in love with the idea of the Titanic. He was in love with the idea of the Titanic so much that everything that you see in this movie is damn near perfect in terms of props, in terms of the way the rooms looked, the size and the scale of the ship as you're on it and as you're watching it. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Next level commitment to the vision. I'll say this about the way it looks, and we're going to get there with director, but in terms of style and tone, I want to go 12. I want to put that out there. I want to go 12. <laughs> I we want can't, to break my but own But I want rule. you to know that I want to. That's how impeccable this thing is. Let's talk director. Another 11, please. It's James fucking Cameron. Perhaps difficult to work with, but for a reason. The man knows what he wants, and he's going to get what he wants. And if he doesn't get what he wants, he will throw money at everything until he gets what he wants. This is a $200 million movie. At the time, it was the most expensive film ever made. Now, it's just the price of Argyle. (laughs) Oh, when you put it that way, it's so sad. (laughs) It takes away quite a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, this movie had to be funded by two different production studios. (laughs) And James Cameron, because he had to eventually say, I got to put my $8 million back in. I got to give you all my percentage points back. We got to finish this movie. Which is crazy. Huge gamble that paid off. I can't believe it. 11 for director. What James Cameron also does in this movie is this should be a fairly boring thing to watch because you're on a boat that's only about the size of three football fields, which is not a lot of space in the middle of the ocean. And he has to make it interesting. And more importantly, make it interesting, especially when the ship does start to sink, is he has to set up the geography of this ship in a way that we're going to understand what's up, what's down, what's left, what's right. You have to understand where you are at all times or the stakes do not work. That's true. That's so difficult to do with a fake boat and CGI. And trying to follow the 180 rules of a camera. In order right. to make sure everything still works. This thing is a masterpiece the way it's shot. It's very well done. Also, one of the things that he did, being the psychopath that he was about Titanic and getting every single detail correct, is he had the balls. Think Randy Marsh, wheelbarrow size balls. <laughs> to destroy every set. Yeah. A lot of the time when the water's rushing in, they had one shot. And it was because the sets that they worked so hard on we're going to get destroyed to make it look as realistic as possible. That is insanity. That's absolutely wild. That is not how movies are made, people. That is not how movies are made. And yet, James Cameron's like, no, motherfuck. That's exactly how they're made. You want to know a fun fact? He's also the person who drew the sketch of Rose. 
It's impressive. You got some one-on-one time with Kate Winslet. She was wearing a bathing suit. (laughs) He imagined the details and then later got confirmation when he filmed the scene of Leo doing it, which was their first scene filmed. I find that hilarious. I think it's great. You get a super intimate moment that's super duper awkward for these actors out of the way. The rest of there, it's just building. It's wonderful because it should be awkward the first time they do this. It should be. It works. You know what else is awkward and I can't believe we haven't talked about it? PCP chowder. <laughs> I was thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> I don't know how we've gone this far without mentioning it. So this movie shot a lot of the boat stuff. That's all the movie with the Bill Paxton boat stuff. <laughs> Nova Scotia, where the Titanic sank. So what you see of underwater Titanic, that's Titanic. Yeah. They don't have to pay any royalties to that thing. It's super dead. Didn't need to get any releases or anything. It's all fair game down there. <laughs> After they were done shooting in Nova Scotia, they went to Mexico to the Horizon Tank, where they shot the majority of the boat sinking sequence, which is half the movie, because the boat sinks in real time in this movie, which is insane. It does. It's crazy. You feel the tension building. You ride this roller coaster along with everyone on that boat. When Rose says the realization, there's not enough boats. Half people here, they're going to be dedicants in an hour. Think about that. The stakes are through the roof on this. They go down to Mexico. They have chowder. It doesn't go well. There's a conga line. It's a whole thing. Someone spiked the clam chowder with PCP. 60 crew members were seeing shit that night, James Cameron included. And Bill Paxton. You know that was a coincidence. Bill Paxton was doing PCP anyway, and it just happened to be that <laughs> night. He's like, hell oh, yeah. yeah. I had the chowder, definitely. <laughs> uh, all that to say. All that to say, James Cameron, it's an 11. I want to let everybody know. I want to go 12. I want to. Showing a lot of restraint here. Next up, music. James fucking Horner. And Celine Dion. Incredibly importantly. fucking Dion. It's an 11 again. It has to be an 11. Yeah. Uh, James Horner approached songwriter Will Jennings in secret because Jimmy Cams didn't want any songs in the film. And together they wrote My Heart Will Go On. Had Celine Dion cut a demo. And then he waited until James Cameron was in a, quote, appropriate mood. There it is. Playing him the, the song. <laughs> and that's when Cameron agreed to put the song in, also partially to appease studio execs. Uh, it's the best selling primarily orchestral soundtrack of all time, certified diamond. And it won an Academy Award for best original song and four Grammys for record of the year, song of the year, best song written specifically for a motion picture or television and best female pop performance. And it's completely deserved. I mean, this song is a banger. It's going to last forever and ever and ever. Forever and ever. Anytime you say near far, everybody finish. You're already singing it in your head. See that? You can hear it. That's amazing. It almost got cut, though, because that is the leitmotif that goes on throughout this entire movie. The whole thing. It's an 11. It has to be an 11. It has to be an 11. I want it to be more. It has to be. Exactly. It ruined TRL back in the day. Because of how many days it finished number one. Like Carson Daly, he's probably just like, someone fucking kill me at this point. This Here we are again with the Canadian lady singing the boat song. 11 for music. Next up, box office. Guess what? Speaking of consecutive days at number one. Yeah, this thing made an insane amount of money. Insane. Uh, it's First of all, it was the most expensive movie ever made to that point at $200 million. But then it opened to only $28 million opening weekend. That would freak out executives today. Big time. Big time. But it did beat out Tomorrow Never Dies, Scream 2, Mouse Hunt, Flubber, Home Alone 3, etc. 
Wow. All right. I mean, not so much great movies in there, but definitely nostalgia. Yeah. <laughs> but it won out the first weekend, and then it started gaining traction because of word of mouth. And it had the highest Christmas Day gross. It was the fastest movie to reach $1 billion of all time. Wow. And then it became the highest grossing film of all time until Avatar came out. This thing didn't peak until Valentine's Day, eight weeks after debut. And then it remained the number one in the box office for 15 consecutive weeks, which is also a record. That's absolute insanity. It eventually ended up grossing $2.26 billion. My God. Which is like a over a thousand percent return. It's like a thousand one hundred thirty-two percent or something like that. So it's obviously an eleven. I never saw this in theaters. I did. I had friends who had seen this in theaters seven times. I had friends who saw this thing in theaters an absolute ton of times too. I saw this on a bootlegged VHS tape though, while it was <laughs> in theaters, so it felt real dirty. That sounds about right. Got to be an eleven. Has to be. And that brings us to our final category, impact on the industry. I mean, if this isn't an 11, what are we doing? Exactly. There's no reason for this not to be an 11 based on everything we just said. I didn't even mention that it remained in theaters for 10 months, didn't close until October, made $600 million domestic, which ends up being like $1.1 billion adjusted for inflation, making it the fifth highest grossing film adjusted for inflation. It tied Ben-Hur for most Academy Awards for one film with 11. I would say in my lifetime, it is arguably the most iconic film. Arguably, yes. You could argue it. I want to go 12. Uh, I would love to go 12, but I think (laughs) 11 is going to be enough. Enough for what? You set out with a goal, didn't you? We did it? (laughs) I wasn't even paying attention. I should probably get that Rotten Tomato score up then, shouldn't I? You can, but I'm not concerned that we're going to have to drink because the total score for Titanic is a 101. That's a big score. Not our highest, but that's a big score. A very big score. It's only behind The Godfather now in terms of scoring that's right. for our show. And it somehow beat out Kung Fury. Unsure how that happened. Barely. <laughs> On Rotten Tomatoes, critically, 88%. Audiencely, 69%. Nice. Brian, <laughs> I'm amazing. It was so much you fun to talk about this movie with you. I guess I got to ask you, though. What are we talking about next week? Next week, it's up to our audience, because it's the end of the month, so we're going to randomly select one of our audience picks here. How many we got on our list? Somewhere around 45 movies. Oh boy, you guys got to keep submitting. If your movie gets picked, submit another. Refresh the list. It's a living list. Exactly. Once your movie's been picked, you're not out of the game. Get back in there with a new team. All right, so I'm going to randomly make the selection now, and we have our movie. All right, what we got? Coming from Matt Cowan, we're going to be talking about 1997s. We're staying in the year. Starship Troopers. Oh, hell yes. That's a fantastic pick. I've never seen it, and it's been on my list to throw to you for a while now. This is fantastic. Excellent pick, Matt. High fives to Matt. Next week, Starship Troopers. Until then, thank you guys for listening. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe. Send us your movie suggestions for next month's listener pick. Our Patreon subscribers get double the picks. So join us on Patreon for all of our extra exclusive content over there, like this month's episode on Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Cape Boys are back, baby. Oh, yeah. Or you can email us your movie picks, questions, and comments to beermemoviepod at gmail.com. 
or follow our social media at Bear Me Movie on Instagram and Facebook. Facebook especially because we always put up a post on our recording days asking for your questions and comments. And because it's Titanic, of course we've got some. Uh, there, I'm assuming there's one or two. Dave Novak writes in and he says, appropriately, ahoy hoy. Hey, you know what? Not mad at it this time. I'll keep it short and oh so sweet. My heart will go on as forever tied to Titanic. What are some other iconic song and movie duos? Danger Zone, Top Gun. Yep, Mike Lana made sure he said that one. The one I was thinking of right away is Kenny Loggins and Caddyshack with I'm All Right. Jeff Miner said yeah. that one. And then obviously Dave Novak said Footloose because that totally checks out for him too. Footloose with Footloose. Oh, I got you, babe, with Groundhog Day. That's a really good one. Yeah. I think that's enough examples. You're probably yelling and radio in your car or something like that, but whatever. That's enough. That's enough. That yours was a good one, too, listener. Our good buddy Mike wrote, and he said, oh, captains, my captains, what song would you have playing for you as your ship went down? <laughs> Thinking like 3 a.m., Matchbox 20, keep it in the Rob Thomas verse. <laughs> keep it in the, in the Thomas verse. <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably just be, you know, the alert sound from Sonic 1 when he starts drowning? That's terrifying. Yeah, well, I mean, the situation calls for You could, it. like, get dry drowning, though, if you're sitting in front of your TV today hearing that sound go <laughs> Dry drowning, the number one cause of, <laughs> I, I don't know, death amongst dry drowners. Is that a real thing? Dry drowning? Yeah. Yes. I had no idea. I thought you just came up with some clever wordplay. Never, Brian. We've been doing this long enough. Never. It's more my department, I guess. Shane Davis wrote in and said, so my whole family saw this movie in the theater. When Jack floated into the water, my brother leaned over my sister to me and asked, is he called Jack Frost now? My sister, in tears, beat the shit out of both of us. No question. <laughs> just need to share. Keep up the good work, boys. That's a core memory right there. <laughs> And the last one we have, Stephen Baker, he wrote in and asked if Dave and Brian were to recreate the iconic flying scene at the bow of the ship, who would be Jack and who would be Rose? <laughs> I feel like it could be, e it could go either way, really. No, it couldn't. It absolutely could. I'd absolutely be Jack. 1000%. I want to be Rose. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Give in to your desires, Dave. <laughs> I want to feel that beard just on my shoulder, just rubbing <laughs> up against me. I'm the king. I'm the king. I'm flying. <laughs> you might catch some shrapnel if I'm Rose anyway. So that's a good point. <laughs> it's not safe either way. I'd try to run to the back of the ship and dive off. Do what Rose couldn't do. You jump. I jump. So romantic. Brian, do you have anything else? That is it for me. Fantastic. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you all next week for Starship Troopers. See you then. Bye.